hey, if you've got a Bible, go over to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 14, and uh, it'll come up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 14. And uh, if you're taking notes, I've entitled this message, Feed Me. Everyone say, Feed Me. Feed Me. me. Hopefully this will not make too many people hungry, but I want to talk to you today uh, around the topic of spiritual food. Spiritual food. Do you know what? Many times in the Bible, food is used as an analogy for something else, right? Like of the, of the need to consume food that nourishes our soul, not just our stomachs or our spirits, right? Like in places in Scripture, First Peter, it says that we long for the pure milk of the Word of God. Hebrews 5 talks about moving on to solid food, food that will grow our faith. Revelation talks about eating from the tree of life. Jesus himself spoke of him being the living bread, right? So we see right throughout the pages of Scripture, these symbolic references to spiritual food. Eat what is good. Feed yourself in rich pasture. Drink the new wine. How many know it's not talking about the buffet menu at your cousin's wedding, right? It's not another kind of, uh, of food. And I think it's just that God is a great illustrator and he's like, come on, let's just make the connection to food and they'll get it. They'll, they'll understand it quickly because, you know, just, just put a pie in the story and you've got me. Okay, it's, just, it's just the way that, that we work sometimes. But despite all that, I want to ironically take a literal food story from the Bible and, and uh, make a couple of spiritual points. So Matthew chapter 14, if you're there, say yee-haw. yee-haw. All right, and some of the passage will come up on the screen behind me as well. Matthew chapter 14, it records the miraculous account of the feeding of 5,000 with just five loaves of bread and two fish. So this was a literal story. It happened. The Gospels record the account of this. We're only going to read two verses But let me just give you some context. Jesus has just withdrawn uh, by boat to a solitary place. The scriptures say that he just learned of the death of John the Baptist. And so we can assume he's going to grieve. He's he's gone to a, a quiet place. But unfortunately, someone must have spotted where he was going. Because before long, it says thousands of people have trekked their way out to his hideaway. They're like, hi, Jesus. And it's like, okay. And, and instead of grieving, Jesus spends the day and into the evening healing the sick and ministering to the multitudes. And there comes a problem late in the night where the disciples have a, take a look at all that's going on and the amount of people that are, are there and, and they start worrying about where 5,000 people are going to find some place to eat in such an isolated place. And most of you will know the story. Jesus takes the disciples lunch, just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And they end up feeding 5,000 men, and that doesn't include the women and children. Who knows how many actual people were fed, and there's still leftovers for the next day's lunch, right? And so it says this in, uh, in verse 15 of Matthew 14, when the evening came, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, 
and the hour is already late. Dismiss the crowds, Jesus, so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus says to them, they do not need to go away, guys. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. About three or four weeks ago, give or take a, a few days, something terrible happened in, uh, in our house. I didn't see it coming, but in hindsight, there probably were a few telltale signs. Uh, we, have, uh, we have six young people living with us uh, right now. Four of them are, are, are our own, and uh, two of them are students who are living with us. Some of them haven't been able to get home because of COVID, and so we got four teenagers in our house and often there's more than that because all of those guys have friends and so all that to say there is a lot of food consumption in in our home right uh, how many know that teenagers eat a lot oh, lots of hands there right so so that's a lot of food and dinner preparation for a family at least of eight is not an easy feat and but thankfully, uh, Caroline, my incredible, gorgeous wife, uh, for as long as we have been married, and that's 21 years, right, uh, has, has been providing daily the dinner for myself and uh, the family as, as they've come along every single night. In fact, as long as I can remember, as I think about this, someone has always made me dinner. Every night, because I just I can't cook, all right. And and so I had to think about that's 44 years of dinners, and I did the math, uh, you know, give or take a few hundred. That's like 16,000 meals I have eaten but not had to prepare. <laughs> I can't remember all of them, but but I've not had to think about it, and it just kind of happens, right? It appears on the plate around 6 p.m., and I don't know what goes into making it but just stuff happens and i'm sure glad that that it does that it has been happening for the past 44 years of my life until 6 p.m on monday the 15th of june <laughs> when my world fell apart as caroline with not a lot of warning like uh she decided that she was officially over cooking and <laughs> I didn't think that would happen but uh, my my initial reaction to that was was we're gonna die like and and then I you know I t took some breaths into a paper bag and just kind of got some perspective and and after that I suggested you know what maybe maybe I could possibly start making the meals to which my my children kind of all replied we're gonna die but but well, here's the thing, about a week before these events went down in our house, we started using this service called Bargain Box. I don't know if you've, you've heard of this, but basically for about the same price as it would cost you to go buy this food from the supermarket, they provide you with a week's menu 
all the food you need to make that uh, menu, and most importantly, step-by-step instructions as to how to cook it. And I mean step-by-step, like, okay, take a peeler and peel two carrots. Like, okay, yes. Take those two carrots and put, you know, just really detailed in instructions. And, and so I started doing this, and listen, after 44 years of being fed, I finally made my first meal. I actually have a picture of it this morning. It's, uh, let me just go, there it, there it is. That's, uh, that's Street Eats pork fried rice. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And then, and then day, day two, I've been taking a bit of a diary, it was uh, one pot bacon al, Alfredo. Do you remember that? And day, day three was called roast pork on your fork. Not bad uh, at all. Uh, day four was cheesy chicken lasagna. I am now on a bit of a roll. Uh, and then was red pesto grilled fish. Like fast forward a few weeks later, these are all the meals, the dinners that, that I have made. Actually, I think day 19, I think I've got a point here, was that was creamy leek chicken. And I believe that Haniana and Mark and Nikita were there for that day 19. How did you find those leeks? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. And so uh, I even got Renee Weiser in on this as well. You started using Bargain Box too, right? And now he also is a hero in the kitchen, everybody. <laughs> Amazing. Listen, I discovered that I love cooking. I love it. I can't wait to get into the kitchen and make the food, the meal for our, our family. I love it. And so... I, all that to say this, I want to speak just in the time that we've got left into what I hope will be a couple of core values of our church. And the first thing I want to encourage you to is number one, if you're taking notes, let's make sure this is working. And it's not, if you could just go to the next slide, is this feed. We have to learn to feed ourselves. Feed yourself. I'm ashamed to say that it took me 44 years of someone else feeding me until I learned how to feed myself. That's kind of pathetic, right? But, but unfortunately, spiritually, we can be a little bit like that as well. We kind of, somebody feed me. Could you, could you feed me? Could somebody else feed? feed? We have to learn how to feed ourselves. The, uh, the author of Hebrews, he gives I guess it's kind of a, rebu- a rebuke to those who are long in faith, but, but short in fruit. It says in verse 12 of, uh, of Hebrews 5, you have been believers for so long and, and you ought to be actually teaching others, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right but solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong we have to feed ourselves and and i'm I'm talking to christians here this morning and if you're not then you're off the hook for a little bit listen don't let this time right now be the only time you hear God's word. 
Christians, don't let like this time be the only time in your week where you pray or, or worship God. This is kind of like the, the together time, right? Uh, learn to cook for yourself, spiritually speaking. You're hearing the analogy, right? I'm not, this is not lost on anyone this morning. But, and, and if you're struggling with that, then please come, come let me know. You know what? If you've got a phone, a clever phone, then, then you have access to every Bible version that ever exists and, and thousands upon thousands of devotions that you can go through every single day. They can be delivered right into your hands. There's really no excuses. We have to make a habit of developing our faith. Like how important is it, guys, to learn to hear the voice of God for ourselves? To, to know his prompting and whisperings, to get used to that voice and, and know, to, to develop spiritual habits and disciplines to get the word of God on the inside of us. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, God, I've, I've hidden your word on my heart that I might not sin against you. We've got to know the word particularly when we're facing challenge or difficulty, we have to know how to get God's perspective. And that doesn't just mean learning it in the moment, but we've already got it inside of us because, listen, His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I had someone once leave our church. Believe me, it's happened. <laughs> and, and, but they left our church because they said that they weren't getting fed. And I didn't say this because I'm gracious and kind, but what I wanted to say is this first point. You left the church because you weren't getting fed. You need to feed yourself. You, you need to be feeding yourself. I remember spoon feeding my kids when they were babies, right? Like half of it would kind of be mushed all over their face and then the other half would, would fall on the floor and the dog would pretty, pretty much eat it all. And I'm wondering like, how much have actually gone in, you know, from me feeding you? Like how, how much actually, actually goes in? But, but now my kids, right, they're, they're feeding themselves and they're eating us out of house and home. Like, like just they got to stop eating. My dog at 5.30 every single night, he's got this internal clock where he finds me wherever I am in the house and he just stares at me. And whatever I'm doing, he just comes up to me and he, and he stares at me because, because it's his way of saying, hey, feed me. It's time to feed me. It's, it, it's time to, it's, it's, I just found it interesting that he relies completely on me to feed him every, every day. I was at uh, Renee and Wendy's house the other week and I noticed, am I right, both your cats and your dogs have like self-feeding stations? That, that, that deserves a clap. That, that, even, <laughs> even their animals are feeding themselves. Wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> but we, we all need to be self-feeders, amen? Some, someone once said this, if you will make history with God, he will make history with you. If you will make time, if you will make history with God, he will make history through you and with you. And if we will do that, if, if we can do that, then really what this message is about is my next point. If we can feed ourselves, then listen, you will be able to feed others. See, the really interesting thing is when I learned how to cook 
for the first time four weeks ago. And when I say learn how to cook, I'm just following instructions. Like, please don't put me in the kitchen without those instructions. But, but I, I realized something really uh, insightful and appropriate for this message. I discovered that once I learned how to feed myself, listen to this, I was also immediately able to feed others. The moment I learned how to feed myself, the same moment I could also feed other people. And that is a really, really important discipleship principle right there that we just want to see become a core value of this house. If you can feed yourself, then you can feed others. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Hey, Jesus, look, this is a, is a desolate place and it's really, really late. And we've got to tell the people to go so they can get themselves something to eat. We have to send them back to the villages so they can get themselves food. We can't do anything here. And Jesus turns to them and he says, They don't need to go away. You feed them. You give them something to eat. The New Living Translation, it says that Jesus says, this is not necessary. Let me just hold off on that one. You feed them. You feed them. And so it says they took their own lunch, the disciples, their own lunch from what they had, and they fed the multitude. Wow. You see, Jesus told the disciples what I only recently discovered, and it's this, if you can feed yourself, you can feed others. You feed them, Jesus said. You give them something to eat. I learned to cook by cooking for eight, not one. And I was able not only to feed myself, but to feed others. The, the disciples didn't realize it, but bringing five loaves of bread and two fish for themselves, they were positioning themselves to feed 5,000. You see, your ability to feed yourself is what qualifies you to feed others. I hope this is going in this morning. We often, we, we often move from being fed to feeding ourselves and then we get stuck right there and we still can't feed others. We, we bring our own lunch. But listen, I want to tell you, there are a lot of hungry people around. We launched, next slide, we launched Kai with Love about three or four weeks ago. Week one, we had three families hear about what we were doing and they'd signed up for that. By week two, there were 10 families. And in the last two weeks, we've had 30 families that we are feeding because uh, of the outreach there. And a big thank you to Joy and Gary who are leading that. And I know Honiana and Ben and Renee and others are, are helping. Uh, Renee's out there as well, Georgina. But I, I just want to suggest that there is not just a need for physical food, which is part of us being the hands and feet of Jesus, but there is a spiritual hunger that is growing in people around us. And people who are looking for answers, who, 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 are, who are hungry, and some of them don't realize that people who are coming in here who need to be fed, who are, who, are, who are looking for food, and we all need mobilizing. We all need to be mobilizing. And so this morning, just in the time, the clock's gone, the time that we've got, oh, I've got it in front of me, the time that we got left, I just want to tackle 
three myths this morning about feeding others, which you may get something from today. Some, some things that stop us from, from moving uh, uh, around feeding others, from be, being a self-feeder to a feeder of others. What's, what's the myths that stop me from, from feeding myself and moving to feeding others? Because like I said, there's, there's no difference. If you can feed yourself, you can feed others. And so I want to help you this morning, just bust a couple of lies and declare some truth. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but I encourage you that when the slides are all up, take a photo of it and think about these because they may change the way you look at things. So let's start with myth number one. And this involves me as the leader here. Myth number one is this. My pastor's job is to minister to me. Now, on the face of it, that sounds about right you know it's like what's mythical about that like that's why we pay him the big bucks isn't it to minister to us like isn't that why he's the minister (laughs) to minister but the truth is my pastor's job is really to equip me to minister to others oh yes It's a slight difference, but an important one, right? (laughs) My pastor's job is to minister to me? No. My job is to equip you to minister to others. And there's a huge difference. One says, feed me. Come on, pastor, feed me. I'm hungry. Feed me. The other says, help me, pastor, to feed other people. Because I get this. I get this. In Ephesians 4, the apostle Paul, he kind of... He, he lays out this biblical model for those in Christian leadership. And it's kind of like the, 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 the major scripture that uh, us leaders kind of reflect on a lot. And I think I have it here. Uh, no, it's not. I'm just going to read it to you. It's verse 11 of Ephesians 4. It says, Christ himself gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, And it's verse 12, I want you to remember, it says, why did he give them to the church? To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so when you think about the pastors uh, or the prophets, the apostles, the teachers, you know what? They are there not just to pastor, not just to teach. The prophets, the prophets aren't here just to prophesy. They're to equip you to pastor. They're to equip you to prophesy. They're, the evangelist isn't isn't here just to evangelize, but to equip the church to be evangelists. Do you, do you hear me this morning? And, and so what you see often, and, and I'm not having a go at anyone, I, honestly I'm not, but you know when we have Alistair up and he's prophesying, what do we all want? We want a word from God. Come and prophesy over me. Come and, come and tell me what God's saying, right? <laughs> but we, we need to actually catch the, the gift of the prophet is not just to be prophesying, but equip you to hear the voice of God for yourself. And, and, and any prophetic word should just line up with what you're already hearing, right? The, the role of the evangelist who is absolutely fired up for souls is not to do all the winning for you, but for, to you to be equipped. And the, the role of the minister is not to minister, but to equip you to do that. 
I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> just to, if there was anyone who wasn't sure, like that, pretty much, all right, all right. Okay. Was that like myth number two? Number one? Oh, we're only on that. Oh, we better move on. All right. Myth number two. Let's, let's move through this quickly. Myth number two says this. I'm not ready to be used by God yet. In other words, I'm not ready to feed others. I just, I still need to be fed. I'm not ready for that. Uh, you know, because right, really, pastor, I'm not praying enough yet. I, I don't know enough Bible verses. I, I got flat feet. Like there's just a lot of excuses why, why I couldn't feed. And, 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 you know, just add whatever excuse you may have to the list. But listen, the truth is God is ready to use you now. Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's ready now. He is, he is ready now, right now, God is willing and He's ready to, to use, use you. Just, just remember this before you come to God with your excuses saying, God, I'm not ready yet. Listen, Moses, think about some of these people in the Bible. Moses stuttered. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Peter was afraid. Jonah ran from God. Elijah was burnt out. John the Baptist was rude. Uh, uh, Samson had long hair. Ugh. Noah got drunk. Paul was a murderer. And guess what? Lazarus was dead and God still used him. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Come on. God can use you. He can use you. All right. Myth number three. Let's just begin to wrap wrap this up. Myth number three is this. No one should feed others until they are mature. Right? Like it's, it's, it's called the myth of maturity. And this is, a, this is an important one for us to understand. You know, it's the idea that says, look, unless you've been in the Lord for at least five years, then you really can't feed anybody else. Right? It, it, you know, or three years or whatever you think that might be. Oh, no, 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 no. You're still young in the Lord. <laughs> you couldn't be feeding others. Just keep feeding yourself. Listen, how many know that spiritual maturity is not measured in time? It's not measured in years. Like, uh, how, I mean, I know people and no one here, but just other Christians that I've met, right? Who, who, have been, who have been walking with God for many, 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 many years, say 30, 40, 50 years and are not as spiritually mature as some people I know have been walking with the Lord for weeks. Like I've met a lot of spiritually immature Christians who are long in their, in their faith. And so we got to understand that, that maturity spiritually is not measured in years. It's about intimacy and passion and hunger and availability and, and obedience, right? And so the truth, the truth is, listen, this is a difficult one for us. The truth is, listen, you won't mature until you start feeding others. Ouch. See, spiritual maturity is developed by exercising our ability that we already have. Remember, if you can feed yourself, you can feed others. It is developed by exercising your ability to feed others. I heard someone say this a long time ago. You only need to know one more thing than the person you're feeding to be able to feed them. Just one more thing, right? Like... You know, I've heard many, many stories of, about people finding Christ. They, they get shown the Bible. They read the first book of, of John. And then they're sent out to disciple other people with just one book of the Bible, one chapter of the Bible. 
And they don't know much, but they can take that person through the first chapter of the book of John. And then on and on it goes. There, there are churches overseas that are just like in revival because of a mobilization of people who are learning as they go, maturing as they go to feed others. It's such an important principle. If you're not sure about this theologically, just look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And we don't exactly know the, the, the time it was when he was first Saul murdering Christians and then the Apostle Paul. But there is a suggestion that it was not long. It may not have been years and years and years of, of Saul becoming Paul and learning how to feed himself. But it could have been actually days and months. So much so that those who knew who Paul in his old life was were like very suspicious. What do you mean this guy's preaching to me? He was trying to kill us not that long ago, right? Feed yourself. Maybe the worship team could come. Feed yourself. Learn how to feed yourself. Learn how to cook. And learn how to feed others with what you have. It may just be your egg sandwiches, a couple of fish, a few sammies. But God will use that to reach thousands of people, feed multitudes of people. You'll be amazed at what he does with the willingness to say, yeah, I can feed others. I can feed others. Well, that was... Right. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray over us this morning. Father, I thank you for the day in which we live in. God, it's a day which we are well fed. We have available to us so many resources. We have the great Holy Spirit who's teaching and helping us, showing us, revealing to us. God, I pray for every person here that we would develop this relationship that we have with you. Not rely on someone else to bring out our dinner, to spoon feed us, God, to just come to church on a Sunday and tick off the scripture reading and the prayer time. Lord, we would develop a habit of self-feeding. We would be ones who grow and go on toward maturity to move beyond just the, the milk and get filled and solid food. But God, I thank you for the reminder this morning that it doesn't just end there with the discipline of feeding ourselves. But with that, you are calling us to feed others. And as we're equipped in this place, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would put on our hearts, show us people who we can help feed, who we can give an encouragement to, we can support, we can get alongside, we can ask, can, we, can I talk with you? Can I help you? Can I walk with you? You know, we can feed one another. It doesn't always go the one way, right? The discipleship relationship doesn't just start from the top and go down. We can disciple one another, encourage one another, feed one another. What, what I may have breakthrough in, you may have my breakthrough.
in experience, in perseverance. And so God, I thank you for not just the self-feeders in this room, but those who can feed others. And I pray from this room and those listening online that God, we would feed multitudes. Multitudes would be fed with what we have, with just our little that we would see thousands fed, satiated with the gospel of peace, learning in turn how to feed themselves and then feed others. And then those would be fed and feed others. I thank you for the simple truth today that you're growing us, you're maturing us. And Lord, anyone here today, maybe you're long in years in faith, struggling to be not just a feeder, but a feeder of others. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, God, as we just look to you and take this last moment, you'd help us. You'd help us. You'd help us to help the young ones. You'd help us to speak life over our youth children and those new in faith help each one of us God to raise and equip walk with them in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you God thank you Lord thank you for what you're doing in this time